You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, all the way from my office above my garage where it's like 85 degrees right now uh, is this is the Iowa Sportsman po- or the excuse me the the Iowa Hunt and Fish podcast. I, I still can't get that right. The Iowa Hunt and Fish podcast, and today we're joined by uh, Noel Gandy. Is it hot where you're at, Noel? All the way from southwestern Iowa, where it's a thousand degrees. Yes, yeah. it is. It yeah. is hot. Yeah, and I, I say this all the time. Like Midwesterners, we complain, and you're you're an official Midwesterner now. Okay, you've been here long enough. You've been through summers and winters and springs and falls and all that stuff, to where it's official. You're here. You live here. And one thing that we're really good at is complaining about the weather. Right? We're, we we complain about it being too cold we complain about it being too hot too wet too dry uh it's never it's never really right for us and when it is we praise it but like right now it is hot and we need some rain agreed and agreed i uh yeah so april made five years now so yeah i guess i guess you're right man the statute of limitations is up and i'm a i'm a midwesterner now and uh I might still sound a little funny from time to time with the things with me, but, but you know, you want to know, I think, I think complaining about the weather is pretty universal. Yeah. I, I, I really do. It's, it's, uh, it's funny, man. I, I've made a social media post, uh, just, uh, just recently and, and I was showing some flooding happening and said, Hey, what's it doing in your part of the country? And like, nobody was like, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has some, something wrong, you yeah. know? And I think part of that is probably like if if something's always wrong, then when something does go right, then it's it's a little bit sweeter, yeah. right? But yep. if it if it doesn't go right, then uh, hey, we have something to blame it on, right? And this is a perfect transition into the topic of today, and that's summer work for whitetails, right? We got we have a list of things that we need to try to accomplish or that we're going to be doing um, for the upcoming fall, and. I really hope that this uh, this warm spell kind of fades off and maybe we can get back into the high 70s, low 80s for at least a couple days because without a doubt, every single year when it's time to get tree stands up or start trimming shooting lanes or run trail cameras, check trail cameras, get trail cameras up, you know, do all any of that stuff, it's like heat index of 100 and humidity of like 95% and I'm out there just struggling, struggling. So I could, I could really use uh, a couple cool days so I can get out and get some work done. That could be, I, I thought about that last year. I messed up just for the, the places where I hunt and I got in a little too early. I normally like to keep that July 4th. Like that is kind of when I start yeah. just for, for sake of staying out, don't want to disrupt the fawn crop and stuff. And, but, man, I couldn't stand it. I, I'm watching social media and folks are putting out cameras and, and doing all the stuff, and, man, I got to do it too. And I think I blew out a pretty good deer out of an area by going in there a little too early and too too often. 
And so I, I look at this as being God's way because <laughs> I hate the heat. Man, I just <laughs> I hate it, even being a Southerner at heart. Yeah. I hate it. So maybe this is God's way of keeping me in the, a little closer to the house. Yeah. And so uh, you just have to look at it from a different perspective, a different lens. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you this. You mentioned about getting in, in there too early. And I'll, I'll kind of kick this off, uh, and w- we can start talking about getting tree stands up. Um, or getting uh, a tree prepped for when you do decide to, uh, if you're a mobile hunter and you, you've done your scouting and you want to get in there and, and hunt a, a particular tree. But I used to be that guy who would get a tree stand in there in June or uh, even in May in some instances. But what I kept finding out is that I would, I would put that tree stand up or have that tree, you know, I'd have that tree prepped and then, uh, October or November hit, I'd, I'd come in there before sunrise, get up. You're like, Oh man, it's going to be perfect. You know, I, I got everything there. Um, it's all prepped out already. I'm just, it's just first time in best time in type scenario. And the sun starts to come up and you realize that there's been all this additional growth. Maybe a storm came through and uh, a branch is sagging or something like that. And then the next thing you know, is all this new growth has blocked your, some of your shooting lanes. So you have to go and do it again. And, and in this scenario is when I typically wait now until probably mid, maybe mid to end of July for, for tree stand uh, work because I, and it typically sucks because it's hot out, but I, I got to wait because I know that in the past, the more time between setting the trail camera and the uh, time you hunt it, things can change. Yeah, the landscape gosh around you it does it just changes so much and i I have a great example of that last year we we created a brand new food plot on a place where i have leased and um man i was so excited just felt like we had the perfect kill tree kind of picked out and and uh picked it out during turkey season so you're already kind of in there you're not disturbing it and went ahead and hung tree stand and trimmed and i'm talking super early april may and um get back to hunt it in the fall and we, we i filmed uh i had a cameraman with me and we were filming and all of the deer were coming out like right behind one of the lone branches that we left <laughs> and so we like, wasted the whole the whole time but we had trimmed way too much close to us realizing that uh just with the, kind of the way the foliage and all was, was hanging out on on the trees we had over trimmed in some areas and not trimmed enough in, in other areas. So I ended up having to go back and, and do it anyway. And uh, so that has almost jaded me a little bit just because I ended up disturbing it twice yeah. rather than just the once. Uh, I, I'm all for pre-hanging. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, I'm not against that at all, but boy, doing a ton of cutting and, and everything, everything a lot. It looks so much different in October than it does in July and June. So I, I'm usually a little more careful about cutting uh, a whole, whole lot. Yeah. Um, but it is nice. If things get crazy and uh, in September and, you know, your time gets cut short, it is nice to have a couple of slam dunk places you can at least go hunt a little bit when October rolls around. Yeah. And, and um, man, I always – I used to be that guy – when it would come time to trim shooting lanes, uh, you know, it's it's, it's time to get a, a tree stand up. I've, I've done my scouting. I found where I want to uh, I want to hang one. And I used to cut basically runways like for 40 yards yeah. in every direction. And I spent a lot of time doing that, a lot of time doing that. And one thing that I kind of realized, and, and I'd love to hear your experiences in this, I, I used to... Uh, I used to have a, uh, uh, the deer would come into the shooting lane. I didn't want to shoot it. And it was almost like I was sticking out at that point because I trimmed a lot, right? Not necessarily wide, but narrow and deep. And for some reason, when they'd hit that, now uh, they would, you know, there was a potential, depending on my wind direction too, because a lot of times I, uh, my, my stand placement is my wind is blowing right down into that shooting lane if it's an aggressive wind set. So when the deer steps into the shooting lane, I'm going to shoot it or it has the potential to bust me, right? That's how aggressive I get with my wind setups. And yeah. I've noticed that some of the deer were, were picking me off visually. 
And so now I've changed that to basically pockets, right? I'll stand on a trail or uh, instead of uh, trimming runways, I'll trim maybe just a couple pockets, knowing that by the time I get to those stands, uh, the leaves are going to be off anyway. Yeah, that's that's a very similar approach that I take. Try not to cut any more than it has to. And uh, really, which this is going to sound elementary, but I always just try to anticipate where I'm thinking the deer are going to are going to be, and uh, and just kind of cut to that more than anything. Like you said, if there's a certain trail uh, or a field edge, you know they're going to probably be pretty close to that field edge. Man, let it be a wicker basket until they hit one spot and like if they're if they're in that spot they're dead you know (laughs) yeah uh rather than these which the you know the terrain that you're in might look a lot different than the terrain i'm in we don't have a ton of of big timber or anything like that here in the southwest corner of the state um so a lot of times it is when you do get into it it is pretty thick so you do have to kind of pick very selectively i guess there's different instances where you could you know each scenario would be a little different yeah and just have to use your best judgment i'm like you though man i love oh i love an aggressive win like a just a just an off win you don't want it to be dead wrong but you want it to be really close that's i like it yeah i like it like that so uh how many stands would you say that you have to uh how many acres do you have access to and how many stands would you say best estimate? You don't have to give me an exact number, uh, that you have ready to go right now. And how many do you have to put up yet? So I, I technically don't have to put any up just because I now have the, the farms where I have permission on, I've had now for a couple of years and, uh, we've, we've used that time to really hone it in one of the things i'm working on now is better is access like how am i going to get into these places better and i'm actually working on permission i've got a call out right now i'm working on permission to cross a person's field i don't want to hunt it yeah at all like i want i want to hunt the neighbor but can, do you mind if i walk across this place that's kind of what i'm looking at but i would you know i, I have a couple of stands in the barn yet that i'd like to put up but probably close to whether I have leased or permission on, uh, gosh, prob- probably 500 acres, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, now, now one of those pieces is 200, and it might have one tree on it. You know, so we just have to it's ditches and stuff like that. But you know, the new guy in town, you're going to take what you can get. Um, but of all of those, I guess I have a dozen sets, maybe maybe 10 sets. And uh, a couple I will put up like right before season starts. Uh, ground blinds I'll set right before season starts. Uh, I'll, I'll run about three ground blinds and then ten or so tree stands. All of the tree stands are double sets though, so I have to. Yeah. <laughs> it starts getting into your pocketbook a little bit. Times they're, two. They're all double sets for a camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I wish I had twenty sets, but I have ten with two. Yeah. So it's a little, little challenging there. Yeah. Um, I've, I don't know. I, I swore a while ago, I swore off filming, self filming my hunts. Uh, Not to say I won't ever get a camera guy again, but I know exactly what you're talking about where if you want to have some good film and I know you film for a TV show or a web show or whatever, but, uh, I, I know that, uh, getting up there and getting another tree stand, behind you and above you for that over the shoulder shot uh, is just times two of everything because just because you trim out something for the hunter stand now you have to do a whole nother uh set of trimming out for the the cameraman stand so he has a good visual shot of you getting your shot so well well to to my instance earlier for the uh for the food plot where i said we trimmed out we trimmed out for the shooter and uh, the deer were all coming out in a certain part of the field, and I could see them, but the camera couldn't. And I realized, you know, that's that's not some people's cup of tea, and and that's fine. But man, I really enjoy it. It's like it's added a whole nother level to deer hunting now for, for me. And uh, so yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot to think about. You got two times the scent. Uh, some some people don't take it as seriously as others, you yeah. know. And 
So you have to, yeah, it's a whole whole new ball game. So it really, boy, it boils down to learning how to play wind and just kind of anticipating deer activity. And of course, they're wild, so you can't, you'll never be able to anticipate it completely. Yeah, absolutely, but, uh, absolutely. It's fun, though. It's fun. Yep. So. With all that said, uh, it sounds like you got some tree stand work to do. Um, what's your What's your food plot scenario? I mean, did you already got some ground prepped in the spring? Do you have some more work to do between now and, and the season? Bro, I have I have one food plot, and it's it's tiny. It's nothing nothing to it. And so, but I finally decided this is going to be the year that I go and do the summer food plot, right? That I keep. And I guess I'm a content junkie just because I've listened to so many podcasts and watched so many uh, videos and stuff of people doing this. And man, it just looks fun. And you get to have, you get to be out in the woods doing something deer related, you know, in in the spring and summer. And so I went and uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to put this food pot in um, when I did this, this late spring, early, early summer was because when the crops get up, you're not getting to it, right? You're not getting a tractor in there or even a side-by-side. So all the stuff that you see about, oh, we're going to go and spray it or we're going to go and kill it up and get it ready for the fall, like that's not happening unless you carry in a, a weed whacker yeah. and uh, and carry in Roundup or whatever. So um, tried it last fall or, or late summer for a, uh, for a fall food plot. And did the work, man. I mean, just with the weed whacker and the push lawnmower, and it's probably a quarter acre. Uh, it just killed ourselves. And then, of course, we had drought conditions just uh, late summer the whole the whole time. And it ended up being a dirt plot, pretty much. Um, so trying to go, we cross-seeded some clover there and uh, trying to see if that will take off. It is trying to. If we could get a little moisture, I think it would do great. But um, I have noticed some work that needs to be done there. I realized I can expand this thing and get a little more uh, value out of the spot. So that's one thing that I'm going to be doing, especially if, if it does burn up, you know, for whatever reason we don't get rain and it burns up. I'm going to go on in. Uh, I've got about another probably three to five days, Dan, that I can still get in there with a side-by-side before I start breaking corn to pieces and I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, so within the next, within the week, we will know whether we're going to have a clover plot or whether we're just going to scrap it and start expanding it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just try to do, try to do the work again in the fall. Um, but the place is so cool. One thing that I've done in it, man, this, I, we killed a deer off of it last year, a, a good deer, big deer. I went in the middle of it and it's, it's in a pinch point. Uh, between two blocks of timber and 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 crop, uh, just standard crop to to the south of it, and it's just kind of the pinch where the where the combine can't turn around. That's what it amounts to. The planters can't turn and the combine can't turn, so they left like a tight pocket. Th- this, yeah, it's a pocket in the edge of the field, and so I asked the guy that I lease it from. I said, "Hey, they didn't plant that. You care if I do?" He's like, "Yeah, it gets awfully wet." And, uh, you know, naturally it's been like drought for the two years that I've had it. So I've not been able to get it wet yet, but, uh, so I went in there and did that. But what I did is I took a six inch round post that I bought at Orsland's and I went and I planted that thing. Uh, it's eight feet tall and it's six inches round. And I planted that thing 25 yards from my tree stand out in the middle of that food plot. And I went and, uh, I bought a metal uh, flag bracket, just a bracket that you put on the side of your house to put your American flag on. I put that bracket up head high, and uh, in September of last year, I went and cut a branch and stuck it down in that flag bracket, and I made myself a licking branch and a rubbing post out in the middle of the dirt. That's what it amounted to. There was a few little sprigs of some stuff coming up, but nothing... Uh, you know, nothing major, but I made a, I made a mock scrape and had a licking branch and that thing is standing out in the middle, the wide open middle of just this 
I don't know, just this little dead food plot, and deer loved it. It was just a structure for them to walk by. They yeah. used that pocket naturally. Uh, it's just kind of a natural corner for them to cut from timber to timber, so it's already a good spot just to be in anyway. But I, I needed them to go to that particular spot so I could get a good close-up shot. And, man, that thing worked like a like a charm. So that, this is kind of bouncing off of that point. Like, what am I doing with the food plot? Yeah. I'm not really doing anything with the food plot right now. I'm going to wait for a couple more days. We'll see. If it's going to make clover, then we'll fertilize it some. But if it's not, we're just going to let it kind of burn up and try again in the fall. Yeah. But I have got a couple of places picked out on some other farms where I'm about to go and buy six-inch wide, eight-foot-tall posts, and I'm going post-planting here pretty soon because that worked so incredibly well. As far as a scent, uh, a scent marking, like they rub, their, they rub their antlers on it. They rub their antlers on it. You put, I, put a, a, I cut a branch from a tree that was really nearby, had lots of leaves on it, had lots of... Uh, lots of tiny little branches shooting off of it. And so, I mean, it's unnatural looking in that it's a post, but when you attach that branch to it, it kind of dies naturally. They love, I mean, it's just like a scrape, a, a natural place for them to scrape. Um, they love coming and rubbing it, and it kind of clinks a little bit. It made a little sound uh, when they when they rub their antlers in it. Uh, and I don't know what was, I guess the branch was clicking in that metal flag holder or whatever but for whatever reason they loved it yeah and uh i didn't have any giants on it i had the one that we killed the big deer he was headed to it but he didn't make it <laughs> he didn't he didn't get to go and uh I, i'm not the kind that can stand to wait for the show uh you know so we we went ahead and, and got the deer but tons of pictures and videos of little bucks all over that thing man it's just a really cool cool thing so if somebody's looking for something to do, man, just, uh, Hey, I want to be out in the deer wood doing something deer related. I can't recommend that enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a fact. You know, we, we didn't plant it. I, I keep saying plant, but I didn't set it like it's firm. It's in there pretty tight and they're not going to knock it over, but it's not like concrete tight down in there. There's a little bit of play to it. And I don't know, I guess it makes them feel tough when they're moving that thing around and that branch is shaking and those leaves are shaking, it makes them feel tough. Yeah. And so, uh, they, they really like it. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know. I, I want to do something like that. I want to get a post or a, a tree or you've seen some other guys, they almost, uh, make a horse, uh, you know, where you, yeah. back in the old days, you tie a horse up to a, a horse a, a post or a hitching post, I guess you'd call it. And the deer, the rub, they rub that too. And uh, man, uh, even the mock scrapes, right? I know guys that are out there making mock scrapes right now uh, and have trail cameras in front of uh, mock scrapes. So there's definitely things that a guy can do right now to get out there and start. Uh, you know, obviously, the more time you're out, the, in my opinion, the more time you're out doing something related to deer hunting, the more success you're going to have deer hunting, if that makes sense. So. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, you know, anybody can go out and luck into one into one day and uh, say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> anybody can kill a deer. Well, that's, you know, anybody can kill a deer. But the people, I, and you're probably, you talk to enough people, Dan, folks who kill them every year, and I mean good deer, that's, that's not on accident. Uh, yeah, one year might be, and you might kill one two years. <laughs> on accident but if you're if you're getting a good mature deer every year or, or having opportunities at them that's not on accident these folks are doing something right and yeah. uh i want to be one of those guys you know and yeah. uh I, so the, the uh the the rubbing yeah i don't know what you would call it necessarily i can't think of the word either but i have a great friend that uh he and i hunt together we we share back and forth filming for one another I did the I did the uh, the branch the the post the licking post I guess you'd call it out in the middle of the food plot and he did exactly what you're talking about. Um, he actually used native timbers. He didn't go buy yeah. you know posts like I did. He he cut his own 
and he's got wicked video. It works, man. I'm telling you, just deer, deer are curious by nature, and uh, anything that gets uh, gets that their own scent, you know, around an area, it's uh, I think it's lethal. Yeah, I agree. All right, so now you know we got we talked a little bit about you know some of the the odds and ends that you have to do. We talked about tree stands, trail cameras. Right. How many trail cameras do you have out? I, I guess walk us through from right now in the year to the beginning of the hunting season, what your trail camera strategy is. Very good. I, uh, so I've made a commitment just to myself that I'm not putting a trail camera out before the 4th of July, just because um, you can kind of start identifying deer very, very well by then. Uh, you, they certainly have nubs growing up right now, and some folks might can identify them, but that's just a personal commitment. I have already failed at that commitment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I have a reason. I have a reason. <laughs> I got this awesome new 4K, cell, uh, not cell camera, but trail camera, and uh, I'm just dying to get something on it. And uh, I, I want to. I heard that the sound is so good and the video is so good and you know, I'm going back to working this food plot anyway. I know deer love dirt that's disturbed and things like that. And so I took, I did take a, a, a 4K trail camera out and, and I hung it up. And so I've already failed my, my one thing I said I wouldn't do. But can I tell you something cool that I did, Dan? Yeah. And uh, this is part of that strategy. I told you my food plot burned up last year. And uh, we're trying it this year. But unless we get some rain, which... Lord willing, it's going to tomorrow. It's going to happen again. So what I decided to do was I went to Walmart and I bought a $7 swimming pool. And uh, I have buried that (laughs) up to the rim in the edge of that food plot. And uh, I carried in just 10 gallons of water in buckets and I, I filled it up. And I put that trail camera, after we disked the field, I put that trail camera over that, that water hole. And, uh, man, it's getting hammered. It is just absolutely getting hammered. And I didn't do anything to it either, by the way, just for what it's worth. It's like aqua blue, uh, just swimming pool, kiddie pool out in it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so, th- I, But I'm running the trail camera over that with the hope of getting a doe with a brand-new phone or something like that coming in and yeah. checking it out. And that's just for my own personal enjoyment uh, because gosh, I'm sure you're the same way as much as anything. I just enjoy trail cameras. I know some people say, Oh, you don't need that to kill a deer. And, and you don't, I mean, you can certainly be surprised, but I, man, I get as much joy out of like planning and, and anticipating and, and checking those cameras as anything. Yeah. Um, with the onset of cell cameras, that has added a new dimension uh, to, to how I'm running running cameras now. Um, I still plan to go out in July, and I'll get these cameras set up, and we'll put them on uh, some mineral, and I might do another water hole because that has worked so well. And I'll probably just use regular cameras. I'm not going to activate my cell service or anything like that. Uh, I'm probably just going to use regular cameras and leave them for a month at a time. Uh, I don't want to go in and be running stuff around. One, it's going to be difficult, honestly, man, to get in and out of places just because of between the heat and the crops starting to get bigger. Um, you know, I, I will go and leave them until August and then check them again. And what I'm doing there is I'm just trying to get kind of an inventory of what's around inevitably September, middle of September is going to roll around and you're going to lose half your herd, but you might gain another half. And yep. that, you know, that's fine. So you can't put a ton of stock in it, but man, I just can't stand it anymore. I'm going and I'm looking at deer yeah. <laughs> and I'm dreaming and, and hoping, and uh, you're going to, you're going to identify deer that you know are probably going to stick around just from years before. Yeah. And so th- I'll, I'll kind of do that in September. We'll swap, um, to more of like hunting strategy rather than just taking inventory and, and dreaming strategy. And that's when I'll distribute my cell cameras 
um, I'll start getting all the making sure all the mineral and any kind of feed is out because you don't want that to bleed over into the hunting season. I certainly don't want to do anything unethical. So we'll but we'll start using the cell cameras and we'll using those on mock scrapes. I'm a listen. You will never convince me that the mock scrape is is not a tool because I think it's the best thing that we have in September and October. Yeah. What do, um, what do you What do you do? How do you create your mock scrapes? Normally, I try to if if I am familiar with the area, I try to go somewhere where I remember a scrape being, and I use Onyx maps, and I've kind of marked those. Uh, you know, you'll find little scrapes here and there that are just uh, a buck got frustrated one night, he kicked it out. <laughs> you know, but uh, but like solid scrapes. I'll try to go back to that same area and I'll either use a metal rake or a rubber boot or a stick or something, just clean it out, really disturb the grass. And I'll, I'll use some scent. Uh, I'll put some sort of scent out to, uh, to get it started. Yeah. I've even, I've even not to be grotesque, but I've even urinated in, in places and I've actually had as much luck doing that as anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I I heard that when it comes to human urine versus deer urine, uh, it's just a matter of time before the enzymes or it really being identifiable as a predator or prey or whatever is urinating in that, uh, that it breaks down enough to where it's just urine. And my understanding is it's it's pretty quick. Yeah, like less than an hour. Yeah, especially when it's in in there with the dirt. So. Uh, I got guys who just swear every time they walk by a scrape, they pee in it. I mean, whether it's a mock scrape or a real scrape, they're peeing in it. And uh, that just has deer coming back to it all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's no secret to it, you know, because there are synthetics and real urine or even orbital gland stuff that you can hang from the uh, uh, from the licking branch and all that stuff. But, man, I, that's something that I do not do and I want to start doing more of. Be careful if you do it in front of your cell camera. There. <laughs> I, will, I will give you that word of advice, uh, especially if that picture is going anywhere else. But it, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you're sharing a, you're share, sharing a cell cam with one of your buddies. Well, it becomes a problem uh, legally at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. All right. Um, so your uh, so then when do you move your your trail cameras off those scrapes at any point, or are they are they there all year? I run so many cameras <laughs> that uh, I have the, the you know the liberty to be able to set set new cameras up if I think that we're getting a little more action somewhere. If a, if a scrape runs dry, I'm not going to leave it too terribly long, um, especially with the cell cameras, you can kind of judge that a little bit more. Uh, but if I, if it's just a standard camera and I go and it has one picture on it, you know, I, I'm going to pull it down and we'll find somewhere else to pull it, whether that's on a, a field edge or uh, a timber trail and try to kind of, kind of not my hope with cameras during the, during the deer season um, is to identify who's in the neighborhood and I want to hunt them within three to four days Yeah. while they're there. Yeah. Uh, I, and I know I keep talking about cell cameras, but, man, that's just really changed life because you're not running all over farms now, you know, disturbing it to go check a camera. Uh, I, I don't really, unless I'm really wanting to hunt a, a certain farm and maybe my other places are running dry and I'm not seeing anything on the hoof, you know, I'll go in and check cameras a little more frequently just to try to find a buck yeah but uh but if you can have the like for me i try to put the one cell camera in the highest traffic area per farm if i have three farms i've got six cell cameras i'll have two on it two on each farm yeah um just trying to trying to see who's there then uh my experience has just been that these bucks, man, if, if they daylight, you need to go hunt them like right then. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if, if you got a, a good wind for it and, uh, so, but if I have other cameras in that area, like on the way to and from the stand, I'm going to check them every single time just because 
I mean, what's the point of walking by and, and leaving it, not checking it? You know, I just have yeah. enough cards and stuff to switch swap yeah. and keep batteries fresh. Yeah. Um, so try to be strategic about it, you know, and not run all over the place. There are two tra- there, To me, there's two schools of thought on, on cameras and on really on penetrating a farm. There's the, the Mark Jury school of thought to where he doesn't never go in there and uh, he just wants to uh, go in to hunt, basically. And, like, if we're going to go plant food plots, we're doing them all in one day and we're not going to run back and forth. You know, we're going to leave it undisturbed. And then there's, like, the, the Lee Lakofsky method. I, and I call it that just because I've heard both of these folks in seminars talk about this. He's going to be on that farm every day. Yeah. And he's going to condition them. He's going to condition them to, to hearing noise and, and, and the scent being around and stuff like that. So yeah. if you can be one or the other, you know, that's things they, they kill a lot of big deer. Yeah. Well, and I'll, t- <laughs> um, I'll, t- I'll tell you this though. Um, that's, that's a, that's a, a great observation, right? And, um, speaking from someone who can't necessarily afford to do what they do, uh, like right. the, the Lee Lakoski method is great if you're on your farm all the time and you have the time to be on your farm all the time. And yeah. the, uh, the Mark Drury method is great if you, if you have access to uh, lar- the ability to plant large food plots and sit in a bl- box blind. Because ultimately that's what their method is now is, you know, stay out of the timber wait for the best possible uh, time and catch them coming into a food plot. They're not, they're staying out of the woods all the time. I don't, I don't see them very often hunting from, you know, some pinch point deep in the timber anymore. It's all like, it's all the deer coming, like they do their work in the summer and then they wait for the deer to come to them. Right. As opposed to what a lot of people have to do. And that's, you know, get into timber, right? They don't have the luck. A lot of people don't have the luxury of having access to like the machinery and the equipment and the, the time and all that stuff, which if I had it, um, man, that would be awesome. I would, you know, I'm not saying I would or wouldn't, but it would be awesome to have, to have, to have that stuff. But I think for the, the average Joe, when it comes to prepping this time of year, um, the more like, yes, the more time that you put into it is going to, is just going to reap rewards. So I would, I would tell a guy, Hey man, get in the timber, get, get all of that stuff taken care of. I don't care if it, if it takes, um, one, you know, one whole day or it takes one whole week to get the job done to pre hang your sets or uh, trim out trees or plant your food plots or to, you know, put those fence posts in. Um, one thing that I would, uh, uh, recommend though is for me, and this is one thing, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. One thing that I, uh, try to do is hit a a cutoff point where I say, I need to get all of this done by, and and mine is typically September 1st. And then I, I'm not touching the woods in September at all. I want to stay out of there, give them some time to get back into their cycle and then start hunting them in October. I, you just said a mouthful. Uh, if yeah. you if you have the ability to do like the first two examples, then that's awesome. But you nor I nor ninety five percent of Johnny Q public can do that. So we have to do what you're talking about. I think September is an awesome time to get to get out and uh, to to start leaving it alone because it's just a known fact that bachelor groups start expanding in September. Yes. And uh, we, we don't have the early velvet season or anything like other places do. So if you see five bucks on a field, chances are October 1st, that's going to be two bucks, not going to be five. And so these deer are going to start expanding. So if you can do this work, what you're suggesting, and I agree with, can do this work, and the only time you have to do it is during the summer or, uh, or late spring, that's when you have to do it. You, you do it when you can do it, right? Yeah. And so that's, uh, I believe that that's sage advice, honestly. Yeah. But I do think that if you can give it some time to calm down, uh, man, you're going to have to do a whole lot of bad to completely blow a deer out of an area, especially if it's a place where he has found solace before in his life. 
you're going to have to do a whole, whole lot, and you're probably going to have to do it multiple times yeah. to blow him completely out of an area. Now, he might not be as you know frequent in daylight. <laughs> you know, he might kind of drive him underground a little bit, but the chances of running him and slam out of the country are, are pretty slim. I mean, we have, just case in point, we have party hunting here in Iowa, and timber draws, especially, I don't, I don't know about any other part of the state, but here in our part of the state, man, they get pushed and pushed and pushed. And in two weeks, I'm picking up pictures of, you know, same bucks before the shotgun season. Yeah. Because they want to go back home, right? <laughs> so I, I agree. If you can give them some time before season starts to calm down, then you can do your work. Yeah. And uh and still get still reap benefit. Yeah. I believe you, man. Um so other I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one thing, uh, but I'm gonna ask you first. I got one more thing I wanna talk about. And uh that is uh other than what we've already discussed, right? We've talked about cameras, we've talked about stands, we've talked about, you know, some scouting, some food plot stuff. Is there anything else that you're gonna be doing in the summer? That's going to help you in the fall. <laughs> yeah, I did it this morning, man. I took my son to baseball. Bingo. And I spent an hour and a half playing with him. I, and I'm, I'm dead serious, too. And uh, we're going on family vacation and uh, in, a, in a week. And two weeks ago, uh, over the weekend, <laughs> and this past weekend, we did vinyl soffit and fascia on my house and got it back in great order and i'm spending a lot of time in my office uh i started a new job uh I, i'm a pastor still and that is my a number one priority but i've also taken a, a part-time job as a, a land realtor and so our land real estate agent so now i'm trying to square some of that stuff away right now so when october comes i don't feel bad about leaving and uh, my family are sick of me by then. <laughs> they're, they're, they're cool if dad's gone every evening. And the great thing about deer season as opposed to like turkey season is, you know, 530, it's over with. And so you can get back home and still spend some time uh, being dad or, or being mom, whatever you, you're trying to do. So those are like, that's not hunting related, but it is for me especially. Uh, Dan, I was in a deer stand 71 days last year, and and I have a full-time job and a part-time job, if that tells you anything. So I was away a lot. So, man, you really have to manage this time when you when yeah. you are home, or I do, yeah. and, and take advantage of that. So that's one thing that I'm doing that's, that's it's not solely deer-related, but trying to be present, you know, and, yeah. uh, and be a good dad and be a good husband. But, uh, man, one other thing that I've, I've – in fact, I've done it this week some. Uh, we're just kind of sitting and hurry up and wait on the food plot thing. We're seeing if that's going to pan out. We'll, I will jump into the timber uh, in August, and I'm going to go and I'm going to re-strap uh, every year on my tree stands that I leave. Uh, I try to keep a couple handy in the barn just in case, you know, we see a deer we want to make a move on him. I'm not going to go and take down a set and then go and put it back up somewhere. I'm normally just going to go hang a brand new set uh, just because I don't want the added noise going on. Yeah. Um, but what I'll do in August is I, that's kind of when I'll do my trimming and I will do a brand new ratchet strap on every lock on stand and on every ladder stand. I always keep two on them and every year I'll replace one. Yeah. And so I, uh, I have, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, but I have fallen out of a tree stand twice in my life now. <laughs> one of them, uh, both times were due to my negligence. And uh, one time I was in a safety harness, the most recent time. So I lived to tell about it and we laughed about it. And, you know, I looked like a whale dangling off of the side of the ship there. Uh, but anyway, we, thank God I got to dangle off of it, right? But Absolutely. it was because of a racket strap failure. And it was my it was something that I did. I didn't catch it correctly. But um so I've just in my mind I thought I've got to get back home 
And so if that's something that I can do, I'm not going to have crappy deer stands uh, and, and unsafe yeah. uh, sets. So yeah. that, that's one thing. Uh, a lot of times I'll kind of keep an eye on sales like uh, like Harbor Freight just, just ran a sale on uh, on ratchet straps, and I got four for $7.50 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, you can, you know, if that's not the brand you like or whatever, that's fine. You do whatever, but you can still do it and stay fairly reasonably budgeted because yeah. I, I don't have a ton of money. But, uh, but man, it, it beats a hospital bill. That's you know? a fact. Uh, that's a fact. The last thing, let, let me say this because I think this is so cool. Uh, again, I'm, I'm a content junkie, man. Late at night, I have a hard time winding down a lot of times in the evening. So I'll stay up and listen to a podcast or get on a treadmill and listen to it, or I'm watching uh, just YouTube or Realtree 365 or something like that. Anyway, I heard about doing this a couple of years ago, and I did it last year, and it worked. I went through trail camera pictures for five years, <laughs> and it was a lot. It was a lot, but, I mean, hey, summer's hot. You're inside you know, killing time, whatever. And I picked the dates, which I categorize my trail camera pictures and folders by month and uh, per year. So it, were, it was fairly easy to do. But I went through and I marked every date where I had a mature buck in daylight starting in October. Yeah. And I went October through into November. And I, through those five years, I went and I picked out the top five days for daylight mature buck activity. And you would not believe that from year to year, the top two or three days only varied by like a day or two. And what were they? They were so, oh gosh, I'd have a hard time remembering. It was like October 11th and then October 20, one of the 20s. I'll have to look it up, man. How about this? I'll share it with you. And maybe you can share it with your audience later. Yeah. But the one I remember exclusively was November 13th and 14th. Uh, that that kind of rocked back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but but on one farm in particular, I even went as nuts as to like I broke it down by farm because I had my brother coming in. He's taken him four years to draw an Iowa tag, you know. So we wanted to get him a deer killed, <laughs> and so. We, we said November 13th or 14th, that's when this one, one buck in particular, the deer he killed, he showed up two years in a row in daylight in the same spot on the same farm, you know, within two days of each other. So we hunted the heck out of that spot and he killed that deer like on November 11th. Yeah. It was within two or three days. So man, deer are, they're not super predictable, but they're they're a little patternable still uh and so i'm I'm excited about doing that for this year uh what i'm going to do though alongside of that because i have the file somewhere i'll just pull out the old file now that it's done all i got to do is go back and look for this year or for 20, 2020 yeah but what i'm planning to do also dan is i'm going to go and i'm going to go back to 2019 when the crop rotation was what it looked like this year. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we alternate crops for the most part year to year. And I'm going to go and I'm going to check the dates and, uh, and try to remember if I can. And I'm sure there's ways to look it up, sort of the, the weather and wind directions on those particular dates. On, on these particular crop rotations. So I know that's getting deep and into the weeds and like, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> but if you just got deer on the brain and you got a little time in the feet sitting in the air conditioner, man, it's, uh, it's fun to do. Yeah. And then, uh, inevitably I'm going to look and say, man, what happened to that deer? I forgot about him. Yeah. You know, or, or maybe, <laughs> maybe this, you know, is this deer. I, I love following them from year to year. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's, uh, I, that's something cool to do. Dude, everything you said is spot on, right? I mean, again, doing something when you can, like digging through trail camera pictures, trying to collect that data. Um, uh, word of advice, there is a really good website called Deer Lab. You put all of your trail camera, and this is if the date is accurate on there, um, you take all 
all of your trail camera pictures of let's say a specific buck or all quote unquote mature deer that you would consider shooters, put them in there. It automatically calculates all that for you. So, and it calculates it by trail camera. So the cool thing about that software is that it can, it can tell you what time the deer prefers to move through that area, what uh, wind direction the deer prefers to move through that area. And then it just calculates. So basically it's saying, okay, it narrows all of it down for, for you to do forecasting. And you can say, Hey, check this out. Uh, I can do tick, 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 tick. I, I need to be in here on a Northwest wow. wind, uh, in late October and, uh, on a morning hunt, right? Just like whatever, whatever that calculation shows, it allows you to do that. So it, that's, uh, that's a, a good way to organize your trail camera, your trail camera information. Okay. But out of all of that, I think the most important thing this time of year is the brownie points. And that is, that, that is with the wife and the kids. Uh, you do whatever you got to do right now. And I don't, I'm talking about the hardcore guys. I'm not talking about the guys who need one weekend or two weekends every year to go out and, and uh, you know, go hunt. I'm talking about guys like me yeah. and you who that's what we're built for is to bow hunt and to get out there and hunt i mean i'm taking a september trip i'm taking an october trip and then two weeks in november and potentially a december trip depending on how my october trip goes so i am really like i'm having to butter it all up i'm build those bridges so that when the season (laughs) gets here i can just the brownie points are gone the bridges are burnt and and uh and so (laughs) so you know you know how it goes so um but, 100%. Yeah. Man. But, uh, Noel, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, chat with us and, and talk about this summer's uh, tasks and, and how it uh, affects the fall. So let me be the first to say good luck this upcoming season and keep me posted, man. Dude, same to you. We've got a busy fall planned already, and I, I mean, it can't get here fast enough. You hate to, hate to wish your life away, but. I start thinking about next deer season while I'm still sitting in, you know, this deer season. So it's just a way of life. And same to you. How about this? By October 15th, let's uh, let's plan another chat. Maybe we're talking about a, a hero sport. Absolutely.